Hello and welcome to this episode of Be Like a Tree. I'm your host, Dr. Kelly. So today we have Dr. Abby Taran Jones. And just to start off with Abby, can you introduce yourself to us today? Thank you, first of all, Kelly, for having me on today. Um, so yeah, my name is Abby. I'm a clinical psychologist. I'm uh, based over in Teesside in the North Yorkshire area. And I work with adults of all ages, but I typically take people outdoors and enable people to interact with nature through their therapeutic uh, work. So I guess that perhaps is what stands me apart from some other practitioners. Could you tell us more about your journey of taking people outside? What drew you to this work? Yeah, it's a good question. I think I've always been or had quite a strong affiliation with nature from being young, just really kind of connecting with nature through holidays with family in the Lake District and in Dorset and loving spending time kind of just in going through the hills and the woods and things. I guess as an adult, my kind of love of nature kind of was reborn when I moved over to this area. Um, so I'm originally from the Northwest. Um, when I came over here was for my clinical training. Um, and I suddenly found myself immersed in kind of uh, the, the North York Moors, um, the Northeast coastline and all these beautiful places, which if I'm honest, just became a playground for me. Um, I loved nothing more than uh, grabbing a map or o- opening my OS maps on my phone, driving to a location and following the green dot and just figuring out where I am uh, and going on an adventure, I guess. And being here opened me up to a world of trail running. Um, so I'd always kind of liked running-ish. You know, 5K on a road would be fine. Um, but there was a huge community of trail runners out here, um, which enabled me to have more confidence, to get out, to explore new places, um, and to become part of a community um, of, of like-minded individuals. So my love of nature and my connection of being outdoors really grew um, from, from my love of trail running and how that's developed. Okay. And so you're describing the journey of it always being part of you. Mm. It sounds like it was the actual being in nature that reconnected that passion. Yeah. Yeah, there's almost like a sense of coming home in some way when finding myself uh, in open spaces, in natural spaces. And feeling most at ease there. Um, people ask, you know, why I would want to go trail running for hours and on, it, on end or miles on end. Um, and all, although obviously running is uh, invigorating and energizing and it takes a lot of effort, I guess, it's really a, an activity that I find a great sense of stillness where my mind calms where the chatter of the everyday stresses just kind of wash away and drift away. Um, and I can really feel at peace 
I feel at peace when I'm running through the woods or up a mountain or, you know, clambering through a river or trudging through mud. Like that doesn't, that brings you so much closer in terms of you're really focused in the present moment if you're constantly looking out for which tree root might trip you up. Um, so it brings you, it brings you into the moment and it enables you to unhook from um, all of the, I guess, the problems and the worries and the stresses that we usually get so caught up in, in the, you know, kind of daily lives. What does the peace feel like? Hmm. The peace feels, well, when I'm running, the peace is noticing the rhythm of my breath and my heartbeat. And usually the sense of matching, I often match my 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 breath to the, the, the rhythm of my feet hitting the floor. So that piece is rhythmic for me as I'm running. Um, and that's that feels kind of calming, soothing. Um, if you think about it, when we are, uh, as children, when we are being soothed by our caregivers, we're being rocks or we're being cradled. There's something of a rhythmic, rhythmic motion of it. And when I'm out, on the trail, just putting one foot in front of the other, it has that kind of soothing sense for me, I think. And it's so funny, everybody, you can't see this, but I'm <laughs> literally doing her hands, like curling it back and forth, left and right and left and right. And it, it's actually making me think of one of the grounding soothing techniques that I tend to teach people in terms of like, Put your feet on the ground and rock back and forth and find your little peace. And so it feels really important to acknowledge that way of soothing your nervous system. So yeah. Rhythmic attunement and sense of connection. Yes. But there's yeah. something else in what you're saying as well, which is the, the grit of it. Like, Oh, yeah. There's, I mean... Being out in nature and exposing yourself to its wildness is exhilarating and exciting. You know, one of my fondest memories of trail running with good friends of mine was a few years ago when we had a huge spate of like snow blizzards in kind of like March, April time. And we all went out on a run together wearing our ski goggles so that we could see because otherwise you couldn't see anything in the whiteout and you were just getting pummeled with snow in your face. That was sheer joy. Uh, it was really, really raw and wild, but it was exciting. Uh, and I've got really fond memories of doing things like that. Um, yeah. It sounds like sheer foolishness because you know, <laughs> when you're getting Kelly out in the snow, <laughs> battling the nature like gods out there whipping yeah. around but you're like exhilarated when you talk about it i am exhilarated i'm exhilarated by being i guess in that wild environment and being able to be i guess a part of mother nature you know i think sometimes we as humans we draw in from extremes and we go oh i can't go outside it's raining or it's too windy or it's too cold and um and we kind of closet ourselves sometimes as if we can't cope with that stuff and and actually i think if we if we learn to kind of step out into the rain and to really truly embrace it 
we realize we don't have to, um, it's not as kind of difficult or challenging. That being said, I'd like to just put my hand up and just recognize that as a trail runner, um, there is a certain amount of codes that we utilize to ensure we are on the mountain safely. Okay, so we always have the right safety equipment. We have the right layers. We have the right um, uh, kind of what we would call a bivy bag or a foil blanket. We have extra uh, food, water, people know where we are. So there's lots of things that we do to keep ourselves safe. Um, but I do like being out there in the raw, the rawness of stuff. And I sometimes equate, so a lot of the work that I do, um, use a lot of metaphor, um, from, from nature. And we can often think about our emotional experiences a bit like kind of the weather. So in ACT or acceptance commitment therapy, we'd say that we are as a people, the constant, like the blue sky. The blue sky is there. It's always there. It's never changing. Our emotional experiences is like the weather moving through. So at times it can be a little bit gray and damp. Other times it might be, you know, uh, clear, clear blue skies. At other times it's, you know, a downright kind of hailstorm. And I get sometimes my clients to map their emotional patterns through reporting the weather <laughs> of their emotional experiences. And we talk about starting to open up to our emotional experiences and allow them to wash over us so we can ride the wave or we can weather the storm so we don't have to hide from them and i shared with a client this week and we both had a really good giggle about it on top of the um on the hillside as we were walking through because i was acting it out but we have this thing that if we're walking along in town or something and suddenly the heavens open and it starts throwing it down with rain. We do this thing, no one can see this, but you can see this and I'll try and describe it. But we do this thing where we hunch our shoulders, we wrench down our neck, we make ourselves really small as if suddenly the rain is not gonna hit us. Like for some reason, that is gonna prevent us from getting wet. And and we do that, we, we walk all the way home like this, hunched over, scrunched up, like constricting ourselves from the, this thing that's happening to us. Uh, and by the time we get back, we're not only wet, but we've also got neck ache, we've got tension in our back, we're feeling pretty frustrated and angry because if you hold your body in a tense position like that, it starts to affect your emotional experience too. So we talk about just trying to shake off that natural urge in some way to, to cower from the elements. A bit like we sometimes cower from our own emotional experiences when they show up to us, as if we need to hide from them in some way. Yeah, and it's making me think about when we're scrunched all up and we're walking through the rain, yeah. and we then associate that emotional state with mm -hmm. that body shape, and then we associate uh -huh. the rain with that negative experience and feeling. And that's exactly. in our body. And so it becomes included as this memory of this isn't a good thing. I need to run. I need to hide. When actually, it's just the rain. I remember the first time I realized we can walk in the rain. Okay. <laughs> like, what? Whoa, I, this is a thing. Yeah. 
it was it was a complete awakening moment for me. I was mm-hmm. doing a mindfulness course in the middle of COVID. I was keeping myself like centered. So I said, okay, I'm going to sign up to this eight week course so that I have something to commit to for myself. Okay. One of the days they said they want us to go outside and take a mindful walk. And I completely remember I looked outside and I was like, I'm from Bermuda. We don't, we don't walk in the rain. <laughs> and then I said to myself, no, no, Kelly, you committed to this. And so I left my umbrella on purpose. It was just a little drizzle. And I went for a walk in the park and I suddenly realized I didn't melt. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a revelation. It was like, I still have my skins intact. I had my skins. <laughs> I had my body. I was smiling. It was other people outside. I was shocked. And I realized I had my head up for the first time. I looked at the rain. I noticed it. I got in touch with it. And I realized I could walk in the rain and be okay. Yeah. It was a moment. In- Absolutely. I think that, that that really beautifully kind of demonstrates how we want to help our clients recognize that they can get in touch with their emotions that they can feel them and that it will be okay. Mm. Yeah. And that they can tolerate them. Yeah. Sit with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's probably another thing that I haven't mentioned so far about, you know, my connection with nature is it is also a place for me personally that um, that I go to to process emotion and to heal. And I think that that was probably as much as I've loved being in nature and I've always done that, and I've thought about that with my clients when I've typically worked with them indoors in terms of, you know, whether they are open to walking and doing activities in nature. And that might be something of their wider kind of uh, plan for re-engaging their well-being or recovery. Um, but kind of my personal revelation that I really wanted to be an outdoor therapist um, and that there was something important in combining my passions in life, which is helping people and being outdoors and, and engaging with nature kind of came from my own um, use of being in nature to heal. Um, so it's it's a place that I go to and have frequently gone to when I have experienced distress or loss or challenges that I may face. Uh, I noticed there's a pattern that I would, you know, grab my trail shoes or my walking boots or my jacket and I would I would head outside. So can you share with us, can you break it down a little bit further? So I'm your client, I want to go outside and heal. Mm. What do I do? Well, I think that um, many people might be um, drawn to kind of nature-based work because they're also naturally affiliated with being outdoors. 
or there's a sense that they are in some way disconnected from being out in nature and that that's part of the problem that they're constantly caught up in this busy life environment with screens and technology and they can't get away from the pace. Um, um, but for other people, it might be that they actually would find sitting in a room with their emotions or with another person quite restrictive or formal or I've definitely worked with many people um, indoors where it almost felt like that space was stifling their voice. And so I guess the first thing is for somebody to recognize whether they have an interest in being outdoors or whether being indoors could be restrictive for them and know that there's opportunities to take that therapeutic work outdoors. You know, you can Google nature-based or outdoor therapists um, and try and identify people working in that way in your area. There are more of us coming into this um, niche, I guess, which is really great. But I offer like a hybrid approach for some people. Um, some people find that they there are certain parts of therapy that they feel comfortable to engage in um, or more comfortable in one place or another. So some people can't bear to be indoors with their distress and need the outdoors. They need the environment and the elements and the natural landscape to enable them to ground through the process of sharing their experiences. And sitting in the, a room with their experiences would be intolerable. It would be overwhelming. It could be re-traumatizing for them. So those people might want to take those really difficult sessions outdoors. Then we would actively utilize kind of grounding and mindfulness strategies, using their five senses, connecting with their breath or the rhythm of their feet, touching the floor as we're walking to enable them to have a sense of control and anchoring and soothing throughout that work. For other people, that would be way too overwhelming to be in a potentially public space with the rawness of their tra traumatic emotion. And those people might say, actually, I want to do that stuff indoors. And then I'll do the stuff afterwards where we're looking about intervention or developing coping skills and strategies after we've processed the raw, the raw emotion indoors. It feels safer to do that out the next stuff outdoors. So I'm really guided by the individual as to what they're bringing, how they typically coped, what their fears may be about being potentially in a public space. Because although my where I practice outdoor therapy, um, it's not like in a town, it's in the North York Moors, it's beautiful. There are people there walking their dogs and things like that. So it's about developing uh, an individualized plan with that in that person about what their preferences are, what their needs are, what safety mechanisms we need to put in place to make sure that they feel as comfortable as possible and we can mitigate any risk um, of feeling kind of overwhelmed or challenges to confidentiality. So there's, I guess, uh, an opportunity for us just to explore in our first meeting about what it is that they want, how they want to get it out, get out of the work. What you're saying that's really, really important is that 
then we're deciding what we need in terms of nature-based therapy or connection. It's going to be down to us. It, it felt really important what you said about safety and rawness and connection with emotion and how, how potentially healing, but also quite scary it is to be unknowingly out there. Yes. And I think that there's something really important as well about what you just said is that there's a sense, there's a, I feel in, in outdoor work, there's a greater sense of collaboration and co-production. And that my clients have told me that they feel when we get outdoors, it feels there's much less of a power dynamic between us. It feels more equal. They get an opportunity to choose the path take what direction they want to travel. I have obviously um, the responsibility to get us back to where we need to be, but they have freedom of deciding where they want to go. They have freedom to choose how they, how fast they want to walk, um, where they might want to sit. And so it offers up an opportunity for people to feel that a greater sense of control at a time when perhaps they may feel a sense of stuckness or um, a lack of control in other areas of their life. You know what it's making me smile and think about? What you said at the start about your love for going out with a map and just figuring out the journey yeah. and just being able to choose and have mm -hmm. choice yeah. and the adventure part of being outside. It is. And I think that that's a lovely part of the, that comes into taking therapy outdoors. And, and it doesn't need to be walking. The therapy that I provide is accessible for all. Um, so there are opportunities for people to come and we will find a, a quiet, accessible bench and sit in a space of nature, in a natural space. And that enables anybody, really whoever they may be, whatever mobility needs that they might have, whatever physical health conditions that they may have, to be able to access an approach which is, I think, more holistic and creative and natural. But for those people who do want to walk with the therapy, we often find that movement, the very fact of putting one foot in front of the other, enables people to start to shift like people come to therapy because they're stuck they go i'm stuck i'm in a rut i'm in a hole i don't know how to get out and actually if you take that therapeutic interaction that conversation and you add movement it automatically starts to enable people to think more dynamically and reflexively about their issues or the difficulties that enable some forward momentum yeah and what we know about the bilateral movement and pattern from exactly. EMDR mm -hmm. that it allows people to, to process their emotions and feelings. So you have mm -hmm. a, a way of adding movement that allows processing it in a way where you're not even consciously aware that that's what you're doing. That's exactly. why people say, when you feel overwhelmed, go for a walk. And think yeah. about it and just walk. But think about it as you walk. And what you'll notice is that by the end of the walk, nine times out of ten, the emotional intensity associated 
will have decreased on its own in a way that potentially can feel more able to manage. So we're not saying the emotion will go, but it will potentially decrease to a manageable place. Yeah, it should have less influence over you. I think that's the key, isn't it? It doesn't disappear, but if it has less influence over you and you are more free to engage in your life in a meaningful way, yeah. it's better. But I guess another thing that um, that jumped into my head as you were talking, Ben, is as well as kind of the movement, it's the power of imagery and landscape. And a, a particular client that, that I've worked with came to mind as well. Um, and he's, you know, happy for me to talk about his, um, his work. I've got the consent for, for, for me to do that. He was in a, a very controlling and abusive relationship and was very stuck at the point in which he came to therapy. He actually probably didn't realize that he was in a relationship that was so damaging. And a lot of the therapy was about helping bring awareness to that and enabling him to start to develop a sense of strength and confidence to, to recognize that he shouldn't be treated in this way and that he had needs that were important and he, and he had a voice um, that he could use and a sense of some power in this situation. And we worked for quite some time together indoors uh, to a place where actually he, he, he was recognizing, no, I, I actually want to get out of this relationship. And we'd made a lot of plans about how he was going to do that because it was very frightening for him to, to, to even consider navigating this, the, the fear of what the repercussion could be. And week in, week out, we ended up finding ourselves snagging. It was, yeah, I've got a plan, but, and there was, something that kept coming up that kept stopping him from being able to take the action that he needed to leave the relationship. And so I asked him, you know, do you know what, can we try something new? Would we be able to take, to take our therapy outdoors and to see what that would be like? Um, which he was up for. And, um, we went, um, to my usual therapy, um, spot and I asked him just to connect with how he felt in a particular location and we got up on top of the moor um, where there's absolutely stunning views across the Cleveland Hills to Rosebury Topping. If you're from this area, these places will be very familiar to you. And he just, he said, oh, you know, big deep breath. And he just said, I feel this is peace. This is freedom. He's like, I feel free here. Um, this is where I know I can be. This is, this is what I envision it will feel like if I make this, if I make this step. And he felt lighter and his, his gait changed. He's, he was springy in his feet as he was walking. He was brighter in his facial expressions. And he just said, this feels great. I really like it here. And, um, and we moved through a little style through a, um, a dry stone wall. And on the other side of this wall was an area of deforested. Um, woodland, which when I asked him to reflect on how this resonated with him, he got, he said, Oh gosh, this is, this is, it's desolate. It, it's, it's a graveyard. It's, it's a forest graveyard. He said, this is where I am now. This is where I'm stuck. 
and it was a strong, powerful moment of sadness and grief, really, that he was really imprisoned, he felt, in this space that he couldn't get out of. And um, I invited him to walk over towards the wall that separated these two very different spaces. And we just spent some time talking about it, about, you know, that it was just a dry stone wall. There wasn't any cement there. It wasn't that high, that there was a stile and a gate in it. And I asked him what it would be like to walk through this gate or to climb over the wall or what he wanted to do. And he looked at it and he said, I've just realized something. I was like, what have you realized? He said, I thought my partner was stood blocking the gate. And I was like, okay. And he said, I've realized it's not, it's not them. I'm the one stood at the gate. And I was like, oh. And I, as I talk about it, I have goosebumps. Ooh, you know, I noticed that it's, it was such a powerful thing that he recognized in that moment, looking at this wall, that it, he was his own fear. It was his own struggle to imagine taking that, the strength, having the strength to take that step, which was blocking his way. And um, we did some simple um, conversations about what he can reach into from his past to, en to enable a sense of strength and resource to enable him to walk through the wall. The next week, he left the relationship. Wow. And it was so profound. And he said, and he has still continued to, to express that that moment was the reason he left, the reason he was able to see that he had the strength and that there was something of him stopping being hindering his progress. And I guess thinking about how leaving the room and going and reconnecting to nature facilitated the process of the openness to be able yeah. to face that fear in a different way. And yeah. for me, I'm wondering about the impact of the moment of standing at the top of the moor and having that felt sense of freedom and how that would have influenced the stuckness. Yes, because I think before before that moment, he hadn't had an embodied sense of what that felt like. Mm -hmm. He just knew that it was probably better over there. Whatever that would be, he didn't know what that would be, but potentially anything better than where he was. But it was, it was cognitive. That, were, that was just a thought in his head. It wasn't an emotionally embodied experience and, that he had when he stood at the top of the moor and he looked out at this great expanse of rolling hills and really felt his freedom. And I always feel that that felt sense of freedom and that felt sense of safety and hope and potential mm -hmm. of all those vast things in front of us. It's always the antidote to fear and stuckness. Yes. It's hope, compassion, and a feeling of freedom. And so mm -hmm. sometimes when we get so stuck in fear, we lose our memory and our ability to remember 
what the other place feels like. Glimpse mm-hmm. is like, hold on, why would I not want to be there? Yes. Why would I not want to have hope, peace, and have freedom and fun and whatever he might have wanted? And why would I choose to stay closed into the gate? So yeah. it sounds like a really helpful process. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, he, he will say that work up until that point was absolutely required and needed and the elements of that that absolutely had to happen indoors um, for him to feel safe. But the the moment of transformation, of change, really came from that sense of being able to see a way forward and feel a way forward as well as just kind of know it on a cognitive level. Yeah, I'm going to repeat that because it feels like such wisdom. So we need to embody, we need to have a felt sense, we need to really connect with the change and the potential in order to be able to do it, not just think it. Yeah, yeah, and and to see it, to have a visual picture of what that looks like and what that could be. Um, And I think that was really significant. So if we think about from um, a cognitive analytic therapy perspective, we often have visual diagrams of people's uh, problematic patterns of behavior. Um, But now we can just, we don't need to think about the words on the map we just know the places in terms of the visual image. So we have one of the open space, which is the healthy, freedom, engaging, connecting, uh, liberating um, place or position. And we have the one of the kind of uh, controlled, desolate, imprisoned space. And then actually there's a new space that we've connected with, um, with this particular client, which is an area of new forest that was deforested. Um, you can still see the remnants of some of those carcass trees, as we called them, but there are beautiful new pines. And that was an opportunity to, to connect with this idea of, of kind of new life, uh, growth, development. So yeah, the, the landscape and what it represents to us on a symbolic and metaphorical um, level is is very very important in this type of work. Yeah, and one of the very first people I had on this podcast, Don, he he described this in a, in a similar way, and he described mm-hmm. how when we connect with nature and we we sit and we we use the landscape around us, it allows us to then see a reflection of our consciousness and our thoughts and our feelings. And yeah. that's what you're describing with your client as well, is that he was able to open up an avenue of self-awareness and consciousness just yeah. by being open, just by connecting. Conscious of the time, so just to start to bring us to a close, I have a very special question I would like to ask you, Abby. Okay. Yeah. Get ready. So okay. I asked everybody this question. 
Okay. About just thinking about the last time you went outside, the last time you connected with nature, the last time you looked at the green beauties, the trees all around you. Can you think of a moment? The very last time or a poignant time? Ooh. I guess the reason I asked the very last time was when I was out doing nature therapy this morning. So that brings to mind, I guess, lots of interesting insights into my client, client's thoughts and experiences. But I wondered whether you wanted to delve into mine. I'm going to say poignant for yours because I think that that's what this is about. So the last time it was important for you, and just thinking about that moment of connection, and if you picture that tree, what wisdom would it to leave with us today? Oh, is it a tree specifically you're asking about? Yes. Ah, okay. Oh, which tree? Good question. Mm. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of a specific. One, okay. So when I was growing up, we had uh, a woodland park um, at the bottom, not at the bottom of the garden, but behind the houses and stuff. We used to play a lot in when we were kids. And there's a a huge sycamore tree that just came back as a, a strong feeling and a strong memory. I remember playing under this sycamore tree um, as a child and looking over the river to this area that we called Red Rock, which we used to scramble through and climb up and down. And I remember my mum being like always tearing her hair out because we'd come back covered in like red sand everywhere. And this, yeah, this 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 space, this place is, uh, I guess, really um, dear to me because it brings back a lot of positive, wonderful memories. And yeah, so being being in that space and under that tree, there's a sense of home. None of us live there anymore. My mother sadly passed away. And so I guess it reminds me of her and being there and being in that place. And also it would it would also be the bluebells around. So I'm connected very much with bluebells and things um, because that was something that she loved. So it was that tree. So it was a long time ago that I would have actually stood under that tree. But it was the thing that just came to my mind when you put me on the spot. So it, it's poignant from that perspective. If you picture that tree, what lesson would it teach us? The word that in, initially just came into my head then, and I had quite a, a visceral experience, a warmth, the strike in my heart was trust. Trust. Yes, and I've had that feeling and that thought before because somebody else asked me that when I took my outdoor therapy training. You know, why why do you connect? What does this space, how does it speak to you right now? And it was trust. I think sometimes in life we might face challenges or difficult decisions or uncertainties or unknowns. And like any human, we might feel we don't know how to manage them or don't know how to cope or are we, we worry, are we doing the right thing? And I connect uh, with nature and I go to open spaces and I see how they grow organically, messily, uprooted, and they just it, it just happens. There isn't any need to 
to really kind of titivate and cleanse and control and make it all look okay and have order, it happens in a gnarly and beautiful and dynamic and fluid way. And from that, I get a sense of it's going to be okay, like trust that it will work out in the end. Yeah, so that, that's what came to, came to mind and came to heart. Thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you for sharing about yourself and some of your love with us today. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Be Like a Tree. Let us know how you felt about today. Subscribe, share, every little bit helps. And we'll see you next time. And remember, stay rooted, stand tall, breathe, be like a tree. Cause you're free to be